What do we got? A 187 homicide. He was found dead on the basement floor this morning. Knife wound. We got a weapon? Sticking out of his chest. Anyone else in the house? Ah, the wife. Domestic staff. I was about to interview the wife. Ma'am, where were you when your husband was murdered? Well, I was upstairs asleep. Anyone else in the house? Yes, the cook was in the kitchen making breakfast, the maid was in the guest bedroom cleaning, and the butler went out to get the mail. Does it agree with the statements of the rest of the staff? It does. Well, I guess we know who the murderer is then. I concur. Let's make an arrest. Yeah, you got 60 seconds to solve the mystery. <laughs> They've got it all figured out. All right, who are they going to arrest? Are they going to arrest the wife who was asleep upstairs, or the butler who was out getting the mail, or the maid who was cleaning the uh, bedroom, or the uh, cook who was making breakfast? Who thinks they know? Who are they go yeah, who are they going to arrest? I think it's the butler because it's Sunday There's no mail on Sunday, so it must be the butler. What was he doing out there? I've never left my mailbox in the mail all the way to Sunday. Okay, we're going to see if you're right. Are you ready? Okay, everybody turn to the person next to you and tell them who you think they're going to arrest and why. All right, let's see the exciting conclusion to the one-minute mystery. Let's make an arrest. Ma'am, you're under arrest for the murder of your husband. What? I told you I was upstairs asleep. Yes, you did. So how is it that you knew that the cook was in cooking, the maid was in there cleaning, and the butler was out getting the mail? Take her downtown. Yeah, who was right? How many of you were right? Oh, look at you. All right, we got to do that again sometime. That was a great use of 60 seconds. All right. Well, we have a mystery here this morning, and uh, it is the mystery of the empty tomb. So uh, on that uh, Easter morning, uh, after Good Friday, the horrible events of Good Friday and Holy Saturday, the women go out to the tomb to do some final preparations on the body of Jesus, only to find he's not there. Chapter 24, verse 9. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. We have a mystery here this morning. Where is the body of Jesus at that empty tomb? So, you know, there are all kinds of mysteries. There are uh, whodunit mysteries. That's where you know what the crime is, but you don't know who done it. That's the kind of mystery you find in like Agatha Christie's 12 Angry Men with Poirot. I hope I said that right. Um, uh, who solves that one. Uh, but there's also... Uh, how done it mysteries. That's where you know what the crime is and you per pretty well know who did it or who didn't do it, but you don't know like the details of how this happened. That's what you uh, see in the play 12 Angry Men where Juror 8 sets out to prove, you know, that the accused could not have done it. How was it done? A how done it? Um, there's another type of mystery though. Uh, there's a how catch 'em 
Uh, this is what you get with criminal minds and stuff like that, where you, the reader or the viewer, right at the beginning, see the crime and see who did it. And all you're watching the whole rest of the thing for is to see uh, how will the investigator put together the clues to solve it. This was like the old show Columbo is always like that. Or uh, Clary Starling and Silence of the Lambs. We, the reader, watcher, know what's going on the entire time. But we have a tremendous sympathy for these investigators because we're trying to put ourselves in their place saying, if I only had the information they had, could I figure this out? How will they discover the key to the mystery? And that is the type of mystery that we have in Luke chapter 24, the mystery of the empty tomb. It's a how catch them. Because we, the reader, we know that why Jesus is not in the tomb because he is risen. But they don't know that. And so as we read it, we're trying to put ourselves in their place and have this sympathy of, if I only had what they had, no hindsight, if I didn't know the end, what would I think had happened? And we're watching to see, will they be able to put this together and understand this great thing that God has done on Easter morning? So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the mysteries of God and how that affects us. Um, so first, I want to say a few words about the mysteries of God to those of you who believe fully with your whole heart that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And, and you know the end of the story well. So your role then for the rest of your life is to share that story with as many people as possible. Your co-workers, your employees, your boss, your neighbors, your friends, your family, to let them know that Jesus is risen. But to do that with a tremendous sympathy for the fact that they've not seen all that you've seen. They may not have all the pieces that you have. The person you're sharing with may not know that God made them. They may not know that God revealed himself by coming in the person of Jesus so he know what he was actually like and have some recorded history of this is what God is like. They may not know that Jesus rose on Sunday morning. They certainly may not know that he has sent his Holy Spirit into the world so that God can dwell in each of us and not only let us know his love, but also guide us in the mission that he's given us. That's a lot of things not to know. And so strap ourselves in because this sharing of faith, this probably won't be a one and done conversation. This is why in our church we don't push a lot of stand on the street corner with bullhorns and go knock on people's doors. Very often, those short interactions don't produce faith unless you just happen to be the last person there after they've already assembled a lot of clues. So it happens, but it's not typical. This sharing of faith is probably going to be a conversation between you and this person that goes on for weeks, months, years. But the reason we do it is because the end of your life, when any of those people stands up at your funeral and says, they helped me unravel the mysteries of God, that will become one of the most significant things you ever did. Of all the things that we run around doing in our life every day, the sharing of faith is one of the things that at the end really matters, really counts, really makes a difference that lasted for eternity. And as you pray for folks, uh, remember this always. You're not having to reveal the mysteries of God to them. If you reveal the mysteries of God and you help them see it, that's your disciple. That's not Jesus' disciple. 
Remember this, that God is already revealing himself to them. God is already drawing them to him in his way. But they have often uh, so many distractions, uh, uh, so many filters, uh, so many barriers that they don't always interpret what God is doing. And so very often what the Lord needs you and I to do is just be interpreters. Have you considered that these events might be God? That's how God often speaks. That may be God speaking to you. And as you share faith, you are, you are an interpreter of what God is already doing. You do not have to uh, make the mystery happen for them. God loves them, and he's already doing that. My second piece of uh, the mysteries of God is for those of you who aren't entirely convinced that you believe all of this, that he is risen and he is risen indeed. So I want to start for, for you with a few questions. First question being, uh, how did you come to be here? How did you come to be here sitting in this room or, or watching this live stream? Might that be a series of, 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 of strange things that God orchestrated so that you could be here, so that you could hear this truth about you and him? Uh, maybe for some of you, this is just where your family decided to meet before lunch. So you got drug along and here you are stuck. If you, want to, if you want to get to the lunch. So that happens to a lot of folks. But might God also be using that? Uh, for some of you, this is a tradition. You always come to church on Easter. But the truth is that no one knows is that you really ducked out on the faith part of it some time ago. Some of you come here every Sunday. And what no one knows is that you're not so sure you believe all this anymore. And you're quiet about that. Well, you know who else was quiet about it and doubted it and ducked out of the room? Peter. Peter, the lead disciple. You see, doubt, uh, as scary as it can be, it is often a part of spiritual journeys. And it occurs even in the story this morning. The women come back and say, he has risen, the tomb is empty. And the story sounded like nonsense. And no one believed it. And right there, not believing it with them, was Peter. Verse 12, however, however, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw uh, saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Peter jumped up, ran to the tomb, and looked. That's a key, that's the key part of our verse this morning. I mean, he doubted as much as the rest of them, but while the rest of them said that sounds like nonsense and sat there, Peter got up and said, well, I'm going to go look. And that still didn't answer at all. He saw the grave claws. He saw the empty tomb. He still went home wondering, what has happened here today? But doggone it, he got up and looked. Doubt's a part of a spiritual journey, but I want to warn everyone this morning about there is a lazy doubt. There is a lazy doubt. A lazy doubt realizes their important questions, and then just kind of chooses to let them lie there. I mean, for instance, if God does indeed love us, and he has sent his son to show us who he is, and he has died for us, made it possible for his spirit to dwell in us, okay, so you're in a place where you're like, maybe, maybe not. But isn't that so important that you ought to try to find out if that's all true or not? Lazy doubt leaves unresolved thoughts unresolved. Like lazy doubt uses phrases like, uh, well, if God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world? That's a great question. That's a legitimate 
question. There have been books written about that. There have been sermons preached about that. Well, we, we preach about that and explore that question. That's not the end of some journey. Well, if, the, if God's so good, why is there so much evil in the world? That doesn't resolve anything. That's the beginning of what should be a journey. That's the beginning of it. That's an important question to answer, to look into, to discuss. Uh, lazy doubt is often content to live on half-baked platitudes. I just think God loves everybody. Yes, so do I. So do most everybody in this room. But what's next after that? God loves everybody. And so does, does that mean that something changes in our life because God loves us? Does God have a calling on us because he loves us? Do we want to do something for God because we love him back? This, this issue of God loves everyone, that's not the, the ending or resolving anything. That's the beginning of an incredible search. What does it mean that God loves us? Surely we ought to do more than just march along in the wave toward death. That ought to alter the course of something. So Peter's not a lazy doubter. He's the only one who gets up and he goes and he looks. So as you live, if you begin to sense this question of, I feel like there ought to be a purpose to life, that God may have made me for some purpose. That's an important question. Is that something that's safe even or wise even? Or smart to, to put off to some other stage of life. Well, I may have a purpose, but I'll think about that after I get done with this degree. I'll think about that after I get married. I'll think about that after I have kids. I'll think about that after the kids move out. I'll think about that after I retire. I mean, that's an important question to keep shoving off to the future. That could alter the course of things right now. So let me just lay out this morning what we believe about you and about God. He made you for a purpose. We believe he's given each of you gifts and talents to help accomplish this purpose in the world for which he made you. And he also has made it possible for his spirit to live inside you, to guide you in this mission, because this mission is not always going to be easy. Sometimes this mission is very hard, but God is with us, not only to express his love to us, but to strengthen us and encourage us and to guide us. That's what we believe about you and about God. And I'm just inviting you this morning to investigate that. Be Columbo. Be Agent Starling. Work a few hunches. Take a few chances. Do a little exploration. Care about the question enough to find the truth and don't settle for easy answers and half-baked platitudes. We're inviting you to do that right here with us. You know, we read from this story all the time. If there's truth here, this is a great place to explore that. In this church, uh, you can walk in and say, I doubt any of this is true. And no one's even going to shift in their seat uncomfortably. That's not weird around here. Uh, we built this church for folks just like you. In fact, many people in this room used to be just like you and have these same doubts. So we have a, a tremendous amount of sympathy for that. We consider that part of the journey. We can't imagine how you would come to faith any other way. We just invite you to ask your questions here. There's people here you could go out to breakfast with, maybe the person who invited you here. Uh, you could email me. You could stand down here and pepper me with questions after the service. I do all that stuff. I have lots of people say I'm having doubts. Let's get together for breakfast for, you know, five, six, seven times. and Just let him out on the table, examine them. 
drill down into that. No one, I'm tired of this thing I always hear uh, from, from atheists where they're like, I used to be an atheist, but uh, then I started asking a bunch of difficult questions and the pastor or the youth leader took me aside and said, hey, we don't ask questions here. That's such a lame story. I'm so sorry that has ever happened to anybody. Uh, that's absolutely not going to happen here. You, you have to ask those questions. Peter had to go look in the tomb. It's in our story that folks doubt and they have to poke around a little bit. It's totally normal, totally normal here. You can be as anonymous or as known as you want to be. Some of you are so anonymous, you're just watching it on TV. Um, we do hope you'll come and join us, but I get it. Church can be scary, so you're starting there. That's fine. That's fine. Um, you can come late and leave early and sit at the back. You can be as known as you want to be. You can come right down front, have your questions. Let's go out to breakfast, e email, take these courses. If you want to be known, you can be known. If you need to be anonymous for a little bit until you want to make sure there's no snake handling or something, that's fine. We get all that. We get all that. Just investigate. Don't just settle. These questions are too, too important. These are how you unravel the mysteries of God. And he's standing just so much closer than you think. He's been doing a lot of things already. You probably already have a sense of that. And uh, he wants to be found. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning you can move us out of mystery and into light. Uh, Lord, that, uh, we thank you that you can hold our doubts. We thank you for a church that can hold our doubts. Um, help us to see what you're already doing in our lives, how you love us, made us for a purpose. Gift us and support us in that purpose. Oh, Lord, you do everything. You've done everything. Easter Sunday says that you did it all on that cross and rising from that empty tomb for us. There's just nothing left for us to do but accept that you accept us. Mm. We thank you for that, Lord, and uh, pray for everyone here who wants to investigate that, that we can all do that together in uh, wisdom and in peace and in your power. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.